for every month that the pregnancy test came up negative, I wondered if it was a sign. Did I make a mistake? Should I be with him? Is this God's way of saying that I've made a mistake? Welcome to the Marriage Family Business Podcast. My name's Mick. And my name's Claire. I'm a husband, father of two incredible young boys, a business system strategist, tech entrepreneur, and author of the best-selling book, Beyond the Marketing Funnel. I am a wife, mother to the same two incredible little boys, reluctant entrepreneur, and classically trained vocalist and music educator. Claire and I are founding owners of several businesses, including Rockstar, an internationally renowned online marketing and systems management firm based in good old Traverse City, Michigan. We created the Marriage Family Business Podcast to open up the conversation about how these three areas of our lives collide and to try and tackle the question, how the heck do you manage it all successfully? And of course, to help other entrepreneurs and entrepreneurial couples discover real life in the trenches advice for the common problems that being an entrepreneur with a family and spouse often entail. So sit back, preferably with your spouse or your partner, as Claire and I take you on this journey with us and share with you our wildest stories and most valuable learning experiences that you can't find on a Google search. Let's roll. In this episode, we talk about a time in our lives that Mick and I call our war. We get very real and very raw and without further ado. So this episode is something that I've not been looking forward to recording this episode, but I feel that for my part, it's something that I really wanted to get out of the way and and do it fairly early on because I think it's such an important component of who Claire and I are as a couple together and where we've come today. So yeah, let's let's dig into our war. I can. Yeah. Um, we've talked about this in both the marriage and family centered podcasts. But in fall of 2011, I left teaching. We left North Carolina. We moved to Michigan. This was only supposed to be three years max. We were going to live up here because we were doing a lot of travel. We weren't yet ready to start a family, but we knew that was coming. And so we wanted to save up some money, be able to travel together, have a place for our dog to, to be while we were gone, which was actually a big, important decision. And that's what we're going to do. So we moved to Northern Michigan, September 1st, 2011 is when we moved into the cabin. And shortly after we moved back or Mick moved back, I moved in the first place. We reconnected with some of his friends in his BC Traverse City life before Claire Traverse City life and good friends of ours still are two sets of friends. And uh, do we want to name names? I mean, it doesn't really matter. But so two sets of friends. And one of the sets of friends had their first child in May of 2012. And she was precious. We adore her. She's now six and in first grade. She's amazing. Just a great, great kid. Adore her. She's a great kid. And Mick is watching this change in his friend that he'd known for 20 20 years. years. 20 years. Why don't you talk about that a little bit? Because I think that was the first thing that really spurred you, right? Yeah. Yes and no. It was, I think it's the catalyst actually that, well, let me just, let me just, this is some painful shit for me to talk about. So 
You know, uh, it's funny. I love my boys. I love my two boys. We've got two boys. I've been blessed. We've been blessed to have them. They're amazing. They are. Uh, I was 37 years old or 38. You would turn 38. We were 37 when I got pregnant with David. 38 when he was born. I didn't want kids. Uh, There it is. Like that, that was not part of my, that was not part of my worldview for myself. I was in a space in my life and I had made the decision that I was a a businessman. I've been running my own business, basically, whether or not I had ownership or partial ownership of the whole damn fucking pie, right? Since before I graduated from from college, actually, in, uh, I graduated in 98, uh, started Merlin Tech, really, in 97. Mm -hmm. And so... I'd become very used to kind of being in charge, doing things how I wanted to do it. I liked my lifestyle. Um, I partied a lot in my 20s. And I was really happy with how things had had kind of come out. And from my perspective, I was perfectly happy to live a fairly unhealthy unhealthy lifestyle, albeit mm. in a fabulous relationship, um, or what I thought was a fabulous relationship at the time, uh, with you, Claire. I was really content to do that pretty much till the day I died, and I didn't really mind if the day I died was before the age of sixty. Correct. Didn't really bother me that much. And so at least in my mind, uh, and I'm certainly interested to hear your take on this if if you want it, but at least in my mind, prior to getting married, I had shared with you that I I didn't really want kids. And I don't know if you didn't believe me or if if maybe that conversation never happened and I thought it did, that's certainly possible. I think it was more like we both agreed that we didn't want to have kids right away is how I took it because I didn't want to have kids right away either. I, I wanted time with you and me. And I just didn't want kids. Like I just didn't want kids. And so we got about five years into our marriage I think that's a, that's enough of a foundation for that. That's fine. Not quite not quite at our five year anniversary. It um, December of two thousand twelve, before we went to my parents over Christmas. Um, Mick said that I see. Hold on. So this is this is where, this is this is the catalyst. This is yeah. where this is where in. our war started. But this I, is actually where our war I started. thought that the birth was where no it, things started changing in your head. I, I think that it, I think it kind of was. So what ended up happening is, is that uh, one of my two best friends uh, had his first daughter. And again, she is absolutely fabulous. And, but, but what was even more interesting is that, again, I know a lot of things about my friends because I was there for many of them. And um, again, it should suffice to say that we all made some bad decisions uh, when we were younger and I watched my friend turn into the most amazing father, the most amazing human being that I had ever conceived of. And it, it wasn't that I didn't believe it, it honestly wasn't even that I didn't think that it was possible inside of him. I just, I'd never seen that type of a, a turnaround is the wrong way to put it change. Just a, a very like it's it, transformation, it, just a transformation, complete transformation. And so for a long time, he was my complete role model in terms of how to even cope with being a father, right? And I decided 
kind of in my head before I ever talked to you, Claire, that there's no way I could do this. There's no way I could be a parent without really being in the Traverse City environment here around. Specifically with that friend, specifically with, with your family nearby. Yes. So he starts this conversation right around Christmas of 2012. It was, it was before. It was like two weeks before Christmas. Um, and we were heading to North Carolina to see my family. Great time, Nick. And I, I knew that this was getting ready to be a problem, a big problem. But we hadn't been able to go down for Christmas the year before because Mick's mom ended up in the hospital with some heart issues. And we spent Christmas in Traverse City. She was literally discharged from the hospital on Christmas Eve. And the, we're finally getting ready to spend Christmas with my family because the, the previous Christmases in our relationship, we'd lived in North Carolina. Our rule while we were childless was that wherever we live, we're going to visit the other state at Christmas. And so we were finally, for the first time in our relationship, spending Christmas with my family. And this is when he drops this. And I looked at him. And if you ever have seen the show, How I Met Your Mother, uh, Marshall and Lily, who we sometimes compare ourselves to, <laughs> um, have a pause rule. And they can pause, conversation, fight, whatever, and pick it up later. And so he starts, I'm like, this has to be put on pause until we get back. And so we spent the next two weeks, Christmas, with my family, in North Carolina, and I know that the plan that I had in my head that we were going to live in Michigan for a couple years, then we were going to move back to North Carolina and start our family, was getting ready to be rocked. I didn't know how, but it was getting ready to be rocked. In January of 2013, it was either a Saturday or a Sunday because it was during the NFL playoffs. The Patriots were playing. I don't remember who. Mick drops what I can only call an ultimatum and says, if we're going to have kids... It has to be up here. We can move back to North Carolina, but we will not have kids in North Carolina. I cannot be a father in North Carolina. We can have kids up here. Go ahead. I was going to say, to be clear, I, 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 I just want to, for the record, put out that I think that this would be completely different now. Like this is like I'm a very different human being now. I know. Than I was then. I know, and and, and we've I, had and that I, conversation. And I, and I, I, you know. This is this is not a proud moment nor a proud episode of a podcast. Like if you don't hate me by the end of this podcast, kids, you're not paying attention. Well, if you don't hate him by the middle, it, it ends okay. Fair enough. If you don't hate me by the middle, you're not you're not human. <laughs> and so he leaves it at that. So now I'm faced with a choice. He thinks two. I I know three. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Here actually, that's not how I remember this. I remember sitting sincerely. I remember sitting at a cafe. In Asheville. Oh, that was after the fact. We'll get there. Oh, great. That, okay, that cool. was after that was after our miscarriage. We'll get there. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So we um, we're in the the cabin that we live in, and he says that, and I excuse myself into our bedroom because I need to process what was I was just told. He thinks he gave me two options: we can move back to North Carolina and never have kids. We can stay in Traverse City, which, by the way, my entire family lives in North Carolina. So I can be 16-ish hours away from my entire family, but I can have kids. Of course, secret option three was I can be done here. And I'm surprised you weren't. Well, it was definitely one of the options. Sure. And I spent most – God, we don't talk about this. I spent most of the day um, in tears – because the life I thought that I had agreed to 
was not going to be what I expected. And I'm not really sure where this episode in the podcast is going to be in the grand scheme of things. So we may have already covered the fact that I'm a total control freak and I tend to, you know, be a reactive person if things do not go my way. If we haven't gotten to that episode yet, you're getting a taste of it here. But I decided first and foremost that I loved Mick. I loved him. And I didn't know that I wanted a life without him. And so when I made that decision, it took me a day or so actually to, to decide on that. Then I needed to decide how important kids were. Now, he's already stated that he's the type of person who doesn't mind being dead before 60. I am eight years younger than him. So let's say he dies at 59. I am 51 years old. I am a widow because my husband has like died from a heart attack because of all the stress that he handles. And I am alone. And I, <laughs> if I'm anything like either of my grandmothers, I am the type of person who mates for life. Both of my grandfathers died well before my grandmothers did, and neither of them dated again, to my knowledge. Certainly did not remarry. And so can I be alone? Let's ignore the fact that when we got married, I did not want kids either. But I didn't want kids then. I wanted to be in my 20s with my husband and then have my kids in my 30s and set off that path. I did not realize at the time that we were not talking about the same time frames. I meant right now and he meant ever. Had I realized that at the time, I promise you you wouldn't be listening to this podcast because I don't think we would be together. So I made the incredibly difficult decision to live in a place where I had two friends. And by the way, they weren't really my friends because they were married to mixed friends. And there's the whole, you know, what are you getting the divorce? Like he was going to get them. They don't, they, they, they don't know that about oh, that, that whole thing. Yet, right. Guess, so. uh, yeah. We've we got a, we, <laughs> just to add a little bit of levity and, and for my, my sake alone, uh, we have kind of this way of doing things like, well, okay. So like, who are they really? Well, this person gets this person in the divorce. Right. You know, like I, I keep these people in the divorce because they clearly love me more than they love you. Not, not, not that we're going to get divorced, <laughs> but like at the end of the day, like I know that I'm going to get, I don't know, um, fictitious person, Bob in the divorce, you know, but I will, I will get his wife, Sandra. So that's right. You know, and then, and every once in a while, if Claire really wants to prove a point to me, she'd be like, fuck you, man. Like, I'm pretty I'm, sure I get, Bob I think, in the divorce. I think I get Bob in the divorce actually. Like, like you're kind of being a real prick. And like, I think Bob gets that, you know what I mean? So, so anyway, I made the very difficult decision that I wanted to put the emphasis on my future family and I wanted to have kids. And so that was, I think finally February that we, we're able to work through all the fighting and screaming and heartbreak and whatever. And like, this is, we will live in Traverse city. We will have children. So we uh, connect with a realtor, a friend of mine from church and start looking at houses, things like that. And over the summer we go to North Carolina. But before that um, I miscarried at the beginning of July of 2013. So to be clear, hold on. So to be clear, we we made the conscious you made the conscious decision that you wanted to stay with me. I will stay with you. We will live in Traverse City. We will have children. And then we started trying. So for for it, so I just want to make sure that I'm I'm being really clear. It's not like we were pregnant already. No, no, no. Like we, we, made, we, the we made the conscious decision, decision together. And we're like, all right, cool. Yep. We made the conscious decision in February of 2013. We started trying in May of 2013. Found out we were pregnant in June of 2013. Miscarried at the beginning of July. 
then went to North Carolina, dealt with all that. On the way back through, Mick and I stopped in Asheville, which is where we had lived, um, which is where I thought we were moving back to. Wow, I did not remember that this is when this happened. What an, what an asshole am I? Jesus. <laughs> it Jesus. was pretty bad, man. You'd be fucking It was pretty bad. Right I'm ashamed of myself at the moment. Keep going. So we're at a cafe. It had once been uh, the restaurant where we had our rehearsal dinner for our marriage. Uh, it had changed hands. God, I have no idea if it's even still there anymore, but it changed hands many times. They were times. still doing the the infused vodka stuff yeah. at the time. That was so, nice. So we were having cocktails outside, and I don't even know how we got there, but Mick basically tells me that, like, yeah, he's agreed to have kids, but he still doesn't want them. Classy. We had lost, we had lost the first pregnancy about a month, month and a half before. We had moved out of the cabin. We were waiting to close on our house in Traverse City. Having those conversations with my family in North Carolina was devastating, and there are still ramifications that get brought up five years later. And for for that to be the statement, I got up and walked away. I, I literally, I left the table and I walked away. Blocks. Yeah. I, I don't know how long I was gone. Well, I found you. I th- okay. Do you even remember this? I don't. I I, I think I think I pretty well blacked I threw, out. I threw I threw cash down on the <laughs> table to cover the bill. You were already like a block and a half away. We were in downtown Asheville, yep. right near the square, and you went down. I I I'm actually annoyed. I can't remember the names of the roads anymore. But mm. it was um, you were heading up towards Pack Plaza, actually, like where the where the the monument is. Yeah. Um, you were like right across the street from the chocolate factory. Yeah, yeah. And that was where I finally caught up to you. I don't, I think it's probably good that I don't remember what happened next. I definitely, I shut down. I definitely shut down. We somehow ended up back in Traverse City. We ended up living uh, in the basement of the friend who had the child who kind of this, spurred this whole thing. We lived in their basement for a month because we had moved out of our cabin, hadn't yet closed on the house. We need a place to live for a month. We lived in their basement. We were able to start trying to have kids again. My, my HCG numbers finally went back to normal in September of 2013. We were able to start trying again in October of 2013 and uh, didn't get pregnant with Ava. Didn't find out we were pregnant with Ava until uh, January of 2014. But for every month that the pregnancy test came up negative, I wondered if it was a sign did I make a mistake? Should I be with him? Is this God's way of saying that I've made a mistake? Am I not supposed to have kids with him? Are we going to find this out? Are we going to find out we're not supposed to have kids? Will he be relieved? It was awful. It was awful. But we found out we were pregnant with Avit in, um, January of 2014, and that was a tremendously shitty end of the year anyway. Uh, Mick's grandfather died. Mick's uncle died. My grandmother got cancer and then died. It was it was awful. It was one thing after another. It was, to call it the dark days, is a gross under. <laughs> uh, uh, un- Would you say under- that was the worst year of our marriage, actually? I do. I do believe. I do believe 2013 was the worst year of our marriage. Um, not close. So anyway, so anyway, 2014 rolls around, we get pregnant with Avit, and I, I think it healed both of us, it certainly helped to heal me. And I, we joined a church and I started singing in my choirs up here and made my own circle of friends, people that I, without a doubt, get in the divorce. 
And oh. um, <laughs> yeah, no shit, I get those people. And that July or August, Mick was invited by one of our pastors to join him at Ghost Ranch in New Mexico um, for uh, finding God in the wilderness. Isn't that what, what it, it was? was? Uh, it was a, it was a, gosh, it was so cool. It was run by this absolutely fabulous gentleman named Belden Lane. And it was backpacking with the saints. So it was at, it was at, at this place called ghost ranch, which is a, is it a Methodist? Presbyterian, I think. Presbyterian, right? like owned piece of property in Northern New Mexico. But it used to be Georgia O'Keeffe's, right? Yeah. Georgia O'Keeffe. Yeah. Georgia O'Keeffe. I don't know if she owned the ranch or she just lived on the ranch. I I wish I I don't want to tell the the history of it incorrectly, but it's it's an Abiquiu, New, New Mexico, and it is just one of the most stunning places. Um, it's it's beautiful. It really so is. I'm pregnant with Avit. We're living in our new house, and Mick goes backpacking in New Mexico for a week. Do you want to tell them about the song? So Mick comes back. Mick, Mick has experiences out there. He doesn't have... Um, oh, my gosh. He this doesn't is, have cell starting, service. This is starting to flood back to me. He doesn't have email, so I literally don't talk to him for a week. We should probably mention that uh, typically typically when we're, we're podcasting, Claire and I have uh, some type of a... Some some type of an outline as to where we're, we're going, but this one we decided purposely just to just to tell the story. So yeah. here we are. So yeah, so I was out there for a week with this absolutely fabulous group of people, just incredibly fabulous group of people. But I was with our pastor, who really wasn't operating as our pastor at the time. He's just kind of a a friend. His name's Chris. He's freaking awesome. Love me some Chris. But I ended up having this really unexpected, uh, viscerally spiritual experience there. And one of the things that happened is, uh, is the song, it's the old lady song called dance hall days. But Grey's Anatomy in season 11, was it season 11, uh, I don't 10, know. 11, um, basically all the music that season was remixes of 80s tunes. And so Mick's putting together a playlist, getting ready to go hiking. And he sees Dance Hall Days and expecting like the, what's the name of the band? I think it's Wang Chung. Wang man. Chung. Yes, that's exactly what it is. Um, I almost called them Wufu, but I knew that wasn't right. Not Wufu. <laughs> Tech Everybody kid. Wang Chung tonight. Exactly. So he's expecting that version of the song to come on. And instead it is the Grey's Anatomy, like really quiet, pensive remix of Dance Hall Days. And it starts, take your baby by the hand. So I, I always really liked dance hall days. I like, I, I like eighties music, you know, what, what can I say? Who doesn't like eighties music? You, you know, who, who doesn't want to go to an eighties dance, eighties dance party. Right. Um, but I must admit, I've never really listened to the words of dance hall days. And there were two very specific parts of the song that I, I listened to this version. I literally made a playlist. Uh, a Spotify playlist. You can probably find it out there somewhere of my Spotify playlist. It's just called Dance All Days. But it's it's the Wang Chung version. And then whatever whatever the name of the artist was that redid it in this acoustic, slow, like really deeply moving version. And you just can get the lyrics really clearly. And there were two lyrics that just really, really hit me hard. And they were these. It was... We were so in phase in our dance hall days. 
And that was the first part. Claire and I were so in phase. Like we were so like, you know, at this point in time, if you've heard any of the earlier podcasts that we've had, our romance and how we connected is off the chain crazy. I mean, we were just like two peas in a pod would be almost not even an appropriate way to put it. And and so unlikely. So unlikely. We were just the moons were aligned, the stars were aligned, <laughs> whatever. We were and we were Venus we, was in retrograde or whatever. We like. were we were so in phase. Like we were so in phase, right? Uh, so that was that was one part. And then the very end of the song, it starts, you know, going over and over, dance all days, dance all days, love. And uh, and then the last verse is, take your baby by the wrist, in her mouth an amethyst, in her eyes two sapphires blue, and you need her and she needs you. And it just says, and you need her and she needs you over and over and over again. And friends, I hiked and hiked and hiked through barren desert rocks. I saw snakes that could kill me and probably not kill me. I, I learned, later learned most of them were bull snakes. So it's not a big deal. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> but, but, you know, they were snakes and I didn't know. So whatever. It seemed pretty dangerous to me at the time. But like I, I literally, I, I, I walked, my feet were almost bloody in places by the time I was done. And, um, and I was crushed. I just, I couldn't believe I had done this to her. And I, I, I couldn't like the, the, the enormity of what I had just done to my wife, this woman that I love, love deeply, it really started to weigh on me and it all just came crashing in on me in this horrible, weird, crazy way. And Belden, the beautiful son of a bitch soul that he is, I love that man so much. <laughs> I will always love that man till the day I die. They did this exercise at the end where they gave us all, uh, I think it's parachute rope. Yeah, It's parachute rope. It's incredibly strong rope. And... Basically, we had we had been carrying it around with uh, with a carabiner on it um, to to kind of symbolize uh, you know our journey through this whole thing. And and one of the last things that happened is that we cut the rope. We cut the rope, and and then we tied knots in the rope, and the whole point and I, I gosh I'm I'm gonna slaughter what it was well, about I, I won't because Mick came home from Ghost Ranch and um, within a week or so we were sitting on our back deck that he built by the way and he pulls out this rope and it is a rope with a knot in it and he said you know one of the things that we talked about was you know he, this is and I know it was parachute rope because it was it was pulley you could pull on the rope you pull on the rope you make it longer shorter you know there, there's tension there and again, this was a spiritual retreat, so the, the metaphor was that when you cut the rope, you've, you've made the conscious decision to separate yourself from God. I'm cutting the rope. I'm not attached anymore. But the beauty is, if you decide you want to reconnect and you tie the two pieces of rope together, now you're reconnected, but now the rope is actually shorter. You are closer 
than you were before you cut it. And he's telling me this metaphor, and he's like, yeah, for God, fine. But you and I were this rope. You and I were this rope, and I cut the rope. And I am desperate to tie it back together. And so here's my husband, whom I love, who I've made the conscious decision to stay with. I am pregnant with his child. We are starting a new life in a new place. And I now have a choice. I can forgive him or not. Living with that anger and that pain and then adding my unwillingness to forgive on top of it, that is no way to live. And so I decided in that moment with my husband genuinely asking my forgiveness, asking us to tie the rope back together. It was a no-brainer for me. Of course I forgive him. I have chosen to love him and to build a life with him and to have a child with him. I have no choice but to forgive him. And we did. And we tied the rope back together. And sure as shit, we are closer than we were when the rope was cut in the first place. The reason we wanted to tell this story Aside from the fact that when we made the decision to go into this, we wanted to share good, bad, ugly. We did not want to paint a pic an untrue picture. We did not want to come across like he and I have always had a fantastic relationship and, you know, we, we, we are the experts. We never hurt each other. You know, we have to. This is not a curated, this is not curated reality. Right. This is reality. Right. There are still emotions. There are still, I mean, I, I realized today, guys, that I don't actually remember what happened after our conversation in Asheville that day. I clearly made it back to Northern Michigan, but I could not tell you anything else that happened. And so there, there are still pieces and aspects of that that um, float from time to time. But the real lesson is if you cut the rope in any aspect in your marriage, if you cut the rope with members of your family, if you cut the rope in business relationships with clients or with employees or with the business, you always have the opportunity to tie it back together. And it takes work. But if you're willing to, to tie it off and to tie it back together, it can be that the two ends are even closer than before. So aside from the fact that we wanted to be very honest and transparent with uh, the shit that we have gone through and to make this a safe space to have you share your stories about any shit that you've dealt with and come out the other end stronger, we welcome those. This is safe. We are not perfect, nor do we play perfect on this podcast. We invite you to be real with us. And we'd love to to know if, if specifically this tying the rope back together, if, if there are spots in your life where you could initiate the, the retying of the two pieces. I know this was long. Uh, this is a departure from most of the things that we do. I am grateful that you guys have given us uh, the opportunity to 
share this with you, with each other. This is not something Mick and I bring up often because I am the forgive and try to forget type, but it's amazing to see how far we've come. And thanks for listening to this story with us. Thanks for spending time with us today here on the Marriage Family Business Podcast. Now, if you enjoyed this episode, then there are just two things we would love for you to do. Number one, leave a rating and a review for us on iTunes. It really helps us know what kind of content we need to produce for you. And secondly, head on over to marriagefamilybusinesspodcast.com and subscribe for free to get all the resources shared in every episode emailed directly to you. That way you don't have to go searching for anything discussed on any episode. It'll just be in your inbox. We'll catch you on the next episode of the MFB podcast.